a lot of decisions that we make today from you know what we want to drink in the morning to uh, the president of a country declaring war are all about what's going on in the head and uh, i think we have just not spent too much time uh, taking care of our head and how it functions and uh, i think being aware and being in the present moment allows us to makes us you know do things up to the best potential hello my name is sabri and you're listening to the now i see me podcast this week's guest is aravind rafishandran he's a multidisciplinary professional who aims to be a consciously good human whilst attempting to leave the world in a better place than which he found he tries to be a curious journalist always tending towards the path of jack of all trades and master of none originally from india he moved to europe in 2014 and since then has lived in six european cities and traveled to over 40 countries currently aravind is exploring how space technologies would help us move towards a sustainable and exciting future in this conversation we had the chance to discuss aravind's passion for space and meditation and we also attempt to understand how can we find the balance between being rational while allowing ourselves to have some irrational thinking so sit back and enjoy arvind what would you tell your 15 year old self if you have the chance to meet him i would tell my 15 year old self nothing what you care about today uh, apart from your family and friends is going to matter in life it can be what you're doing what you're going to do who you love uh, what you want to be in the future it's it's not going to matter in 15 years now i'm going to be 30 so i can say that what matters is um, the relationships more than what you think uh, your friends and uh, loved ones family of course and um, how much uh, important it is to 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 be grateful and uh, be happy of what you had uh, i know you were not happy about a lot of things when you were 15 uh, but nothing of that matters 15 years later uh, because yeah right now i'm not thinking about any of the things that i thought about 15 years ago except for uh, the relationships family and uh, just uh, being aware of uh, everyday life so that's what i'd say Okay, thank you. So, you said nothing would matter that much uh, and and you should be grateful for what you had. Did you already have that passion for space at 15 year old self uh, when you were 15 year? Uh when I was 15, I think I was just focused on um on 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 doing something big. I know I wanted to do something big and uh, I wanted to work on important things, which is why I think at 15 I used to be uh you know being in place uh, trying my act at uh you know acting uh in front in front of the audience speaking in front of the audience uh i didn't do dancing i don't think i danced well i don't think i danced well today as well uh but i tried to do a lot of things of course i studied well uh, you can guess i was a nerd because if you were into space 15 years later 15 years before you should have been a nerd so i was a nerd so i always wanted to do a lot of things um but yeah but then you know at the end of the day you just uh, you just are focused on you know a 15 year old you know like a lot of things and you do a lot of stuff but at the end of the day you're not 
happy to be where you are you're complaining uh, you're hoping that uh, you were richer you were you know you had more money you had more freedom you didn't have to you know go back to you know just a kind crazy kind of a family life uh, or you know being a nerd so yeah so you were not thankful for a lot of these things but then you know 15 years later i find out that uh, there are things that uh, or those are things that people don't have it usually and you know family a uh, place to live a uh, school to go to um you know friends all that i took for granted but right now it seems like uh, i've met people a lot in the lot of travels that i did and also in the people i've met and uh, i've taken that for granted and yeah i will tell him to be grateful for that because i don't think he was ever grateful for that okay cool well i, I can see that today you're you're more than grateful for that yeah uh one of the many stories that i got when talking to you and uh, one of the quality i would say you have is you're you're persistent and like almost stubborn you would go for whatever you want to do even if it means you're taking risk uh especially we both immigrants taking risks with uh renewing your resident permit taking mm-hmm. risks with and not having a stable job and, yeah. and it's it's funny how like most of the immigrants are actually like they once they get to that once they know what they really want they would like sacrifice everything mm-hmm. uh, but also other non-immigrant would do that of course many of the stories i have so there is one particular story about uh the position at the nasa you got that marked you in somehow would you tell me about it yeah no absolutely uh, that was kind of I don't know I think uh, if you look back you have a lot of turning points in life I think I'm like okay when I turned 25 uh when I moved to Europe but then I think this was more like the modern turning point I think in terms of how I approach things uh so what happened was I uh, I was doing my space studies uh, program a master's in space studies in Strasbourg uh and uh, I got into NASA Ames which is a research center of NASA in California and you know everything was set i got the internship i was excited and uh, my family who did not understand what i was doing were also excited and my friends were excited but then uh unfortunately i couldn't uh, make it because of uh, you know you know the migrate immigrant issues like a visa and things like that so the visa didn't work out uh, meaning um yeah i couldn't get to go and i think we were two out of 10 people to indians surprise who didn't get to go uh and uh, we were basically left waiting and we i also waited for one month and the internship was supposed to be for 3 months and if you wait one month then you know then uh, nothing works out so yeah then at that point i felt like lost i think the closest i have come to a depression was during that time because i had told everybody uh Uh, I my family had told everybody and everybody was like waiting for like ah oh, he's going to go work in NASA but then at the end it turns out you can't so you have to handle them and you have to handle your own feelings and uh, you're like kind of lost because you thought that was your career like oh I got into NASA as an intern and I know of stories of people who went to NASA as an intern and they became a you know a full-time job and they just settled there and I thought that was my life but to see that change in you know like a reason for visa was a bit it was a bit uh too depressing i think uh and i don't think i had the maturity to handle that so what i did was uh, i decided to travel as i always do i'm like okay you know what i can't just because i was staying in strasbourg waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the visa to be approved 
and I had lost my flights. Basically, I think two flights. I booked one flight and I missed it because I didn't get the visa. And in the hopes that I would get, you know, in two weeks, I booked another flight and I missed it. So basically, I was out of money. I don't have, I didn't have a lot of money. I think close to thousand euros in my bank. And I was like, okay, what do I do? I can stay in Strasbourg, you know, look for a job, be in France, or I can go do something else. So I decided to go travel. And uh, I always wanted to go travel in the Balkans. And that was kind of the part of Europe I had not traveled back uh, by then. So I found a cheap ticket, as I always do. And I uh, booked a one-way trip. And uh, yeah, I traveled for the next two months. It was a crazy journey. Well, I forgot about, well, I didn't really forget about the whole you know, unfortunate thing, but still I managed to get over it. I met a lot of people. I got a lot of perspectives. Uh, I met people who, you know, did not have uh, studies. I met people in Bosnia who grew up uh, with fire, you know, gunshots in their house. And I met uh, someone who showed the gunshots in his house and how he grew up. And, and then I was just realizing like, you know, what I have, is this really a problem? You know, I'm meeting people who I met. Uh, in different parts of uh, you know Bosnia, Croatia, and Serbia, they all have like crazy histories, and I also had uh, friends back there who I visited. You know, so everything helped put my things in perspective. You know, things about what how I see life, what's important in life. You know, coming going back to your experiences, your relationships, your friends, and all that. I think that made an impact on me uh, during that uh, during that trip. Before that, I think I was very professional minded, like my life was all about what I did and not about who I was. I think after this event and these travels and the experiences during the travel, I think I realized it's more um, it's more about not about professionally who you are. You know, it, it's today it's like people don't introduce themselves. I always found it fascinating, like, OK, you know, Sabri, Sabri is this, you know. He does this. It's not about him as a person. And that's how I viewed myself and also as other people. But then I started to realize that, okay, you need to start, uh, you know, looking at people more than professionally and, you know, as uh, personally and then professionally comes secondary. So that was, uh, that was the trip two years ago. And uh, that three years ago. Where did you go from that trip? So you had this reflection during the reflective journey and then it led you to Paris. Yeah. Well, I already had an opportunity in Paris, which I knew I could get back to, which was a consulting position in the, the space industry. So which was not the exact thing that I had in mind because my future was set in my head. Go to the US, work at NASA. This was just an opportunity that I had. I did not know if I want to take it. Uh, you know, now, uh, now that I can say I left the job in two years. So, you know, this is not something that I wanted to do for life. Uh, I Yeah, I decided to go back to it because, you know, thousand euros can sustain you for two months in eastern europe in the balkans and after that you run out of money and then you need to go back so yeah so i took up that job and um, not just for money but also it seemed kind of a interesting job and you know i talked to carrie i talked to a few more mentors to you know they figured they figured that okay you know this is something that you have so just make use of it and remember you're an immigrant so uh get a job you know you're gonna have um, i had some kind of loan that i had to give back that i took for my studies so i thought about all that and made more of a rational decision to go take up the job and yeah after after that trip i uh, yeah moved to paris mm. so that so after two years so you went for for being rational for two years and then again lately you decided that 
<laughs> being just rational is not enough. No, yeah. So you decided to quit your job and literally move to the south of France uh, without even knowing what to do. Yeah. Uh, but what drives you to do that? Like, what's uh, I, I'm I'm fascinated when I see people uh, like you and many others who they they just feel it's right to do that act, so they do it and they will figure it out later. So what's driving you now by take, making that decision to move to the south, to mm -hmm. ex explore, knowing that you had a stable job yeah. a few months ago? No, it's, it's a good question. I've been asking myself that question and people have been asking me that question, especially uh, family from India, because, you know, they're like, they don't understand. I've already done that three times in my life where I had a stable job, moved to Paris, uh, sorry, moved to France uh, six years ago. And then I had a stable job in Germany. Uh, moved to uh, France again to study space and now I had a stable job in the space so they're just I don't think they understand me I think they've just like uh, you know uh, just uh, just understood I'm crazy and you know they just said it or at least support me so it's good uh, going back to the question of what made me decide that I think it's just a question of um, how I see life today and I think I'm sure COVID played a part there because uh I know, uh, you know, not to get too morbid or anything, you know, but uh, I'm really a firm believer of uh, Amor Fati, which means to be accepting of debt and, uh, you know, make decisions with the long term, big picture view in mind. And, uh, you know, in case I die next year and of whatever reason, and I ask myself, have I made, uh, you know, all the choices that were in front of me that I could make, you know, some choices I cannot make, you know, I want to uh, do a trip around the world. I can't because I don't have the financing for it. And, and as an immigrant, I, can't, I don't have the visa for it. So, you know, but there are some decisions that I can make. Like, uh, do I have enough today to sustain for a few months uh, to go and try out what I want? Because now I want to go and try out uh, starting up. I've had ideas for a few months and I I just told myself during COVID, no confinement, you get a time to reflect. And you just ask yourself, okay, one year later, would you be, you know, if you are one of the ones who die of COVID and you're on your deathbed, would you be happy about your decision making and how you lived your life? And I don't think I would be happy if, uh, if I had just been in that job and just been happy. Well, also what I try to make in my decisions is to not make other people, you know, hurt. Like I, I would not have made the decision if, you know, uh, my girlfriend felt that I had to be in that job or, you know, things like that. But thankfully, everything worked out. Yeah, and, you she know, was crazy and, like you and she said, yeah, let's go. let's go. So, you know, if you have a <laughs> person like that, <laughs> make use of it, you know, <laughs> because you know, the, the, the times that we regret are the times when we have the option to do something and uh, we don't go ahead and do it like I would not regret in one year that I didn't go travel around the world because I know it was not a possibility. But moving out of Paris to a warmer place in France and trying out a startup is something that is under my control right now and I can make a decision on it. So let me make a decision on it. So it was not very hard to make the decision, actually, to be honest. It's, it's a very simple yeah. framework because... It's, it's not hard once you you're set and like you know that's what you want to do absolutely but yeah. for many people and uh, this is one of the questions i also get asked I, I i quit five times in four years uh so I, I like my longest job ever was two years in my whole life so and like every time they ask me it's like i 
take that rational part for six months a year and then once i have enough to sustain myself yeah. well figure out what to do next then i i know i can quit so nice uh, it, and it's not about being loyal to an employer or not. It's yeah, just yeah. being loyal to you. And that's First why for me it's really important. Absolutely. So, well, yeah. going back to the two-year thing, I think I may have to introduce you to my mom because she's been like, because I've had three jobs and all the jobs, for whatever reason, two years. So I haven't crossed the two-year mark in any of my jobs. And she's like, I have never met anybody who had, you know, only two years of experience in each job. And I'm like, yeah, but this is, you know, this, that's how the world works today. And, you know, in their world, it's one company for life. But us, uh, two years seems like yeah, eternity. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, maybe we should introduce her to my mom. Yeah. So they can <laughs> complain together absolutely, about us. Absolutely, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. So l- let me go back. So I, I, I'm, you probably failed in your life, in your career and so on. But it feels like you don't fear failure. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're almost like going after it. Uh, is that true? Uh, and can you tell me about the failures that you've had and uh, how did you manage to move on every time? Yeah, no, I, it's not like I go after failures, uh, but it seems uh, I think if you, if you just make decisions that are not, um, you know, following the herd concept, you know, the herd concept is what everybody goes after and you go after, then of course there is not going to be failure there because it's a tried and tested method. but. If you're trying to move away from the herd concept and, you know, trying to be yourself, I mean, yourself is usually unique because mm-hmm. usually it's like that, then, you know, failure comes uh, as part and parcel of the decisions you make. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if because putting into perspective how people have failed, uh, I don't think I have failed, you know, in like people who I've met, relatively speaking, but yeah, you know, small failures have happened in my life. I've met people who've had enormous failures and, you know, so I don't want to, because I, I feel a bit shameful to say, ah, oh, you know what? I failed. I failed in a relationship. I failed, I don't know, getting a visa. I failed, uh, I don't know. Um, soon we will find out if I'm going to fail in a startup. But these are all like, for me, small failures in life because I've met people, so many people who have had like uh, huge failures and they've learned from it. But yeah. There have been failures. Um, I don't know which ones to go about. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I've, I've failed in relationships in the fa- in the past, and I think that has made me who I am. Uh, but that's you know I don't know if you want to get into that side, but you know even professionally I have failed uh, in jobs. You know I've tried my tried my luck in pure sales, like a proper sales job, and I don't think. I was a proper salesperson. Again, that that was helpful because I don't think I can be a capitalist who can sell, manipulate people and, you know, trying to sell something that they don't need, which is how usually the sales techniques work. You know, they have like sales strategies. And Mm -hmm. as part of my job, that was my second job in Berlin. I went through these sales trainings. They were fascinating because I like psychology and like how you can use words that can make people to respond, uh, how you can talk in a way that makes people ask more questions or you know uh, get to know your product better and at the end buy your product these are all things that i learned in a sales job and i'm sure it's part and parcel of life and that's what salespeople do but that's not who i was and clearly i didn't succeed as much as i wanted to so and uh, yeah I, i see that as a small failure in my life but it's something that i can take on now because i'm going to have a startup soon and i have to sell and yeah. maybe I have to use those techniques, but at least I know that 
I'm using it for um, a product that I really care about instead of a product that I had to just sell for a day job. You know what I mean? So, uh, so that was one failure that I can say. I mean, I was in the job for two years and I have, usually I have no regrets, mostly no regrets in actions and usually regrets are in actions. So this, you know, it's, it was a job which I was not successful at and, you know, but it still paid me my bills and it uh, helped me party in Berlin. So, you know, it's not a, a job that I call a complete failure, but I still yeah. uh, learned a lot from it. Of course. And you wrote actually the perfect transition. You said you weren't feeling comfortable selling something uh, that people don't need. Uh, and today you're about to, you're all about space engineering and about to start your company. And basically you're about to sell space to people. Yeah. Why do you think it's so important? Like why space is so important to you? Like honestly, besides Elon Musk and <laughs> a couple of people, like you're, you're on the top five or 10 people that are so passionate about space that I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, there are like thousands, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but why do you think it's so important for people to understand the impact of space on our economies, on our social life, on our, mm-hmm. uh, all the, the topics we, we discussed and you actually spoke about that part. Uh, could, you tell, could you tell us why you're so passionate about it? Yeah, I think even for me, I, I liked space, you know, as everybody does. And um, maybe I liked it a bit too much or a bit more than uh, my friends when I was growing up and even, you know, until a few years ago. But I realized that I'm passionate about space for the same reason as why people should also be passionate about space. Because I think space, in a way, provides the big inspiration for for people in a way to look up to, you know, for um, because you have your daily lives, your daily jobs, but then something that can bring all of us together is is kind of space. I mean, it's it's it sounds a bit cliched, but it's uh, it's really enormous when you think about it, because a few days ago it was announced that there was a phosphine, uh, an element that was found in the in the clouds of Venus. So it was an announcement that was made. And very few things in the world can, can you can know. You just uh, explain us what's phosphine. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a okay. scientist either. Okay, but but what like... it means is, phosphine is an organic element okay. that is usually associated with life. Okay. And uh, what the discovery that they made is, uh, so there is potentially uh, living things living in the clouds of Venus. Okay. So it's again depending on who you are. This is something that you don't care about. Or maybe you care about, you know, people, if you if you talk to someone who is, you know, in conflict, if you're a, if you're an immigrant trying to cross borders, clearly you don't care about it. But then that, uh, you know, this person, but this is a news that affects this person, a rich person, you know, a, you know, a carefree person who doesn't care about anything. If we find life outside, it's going to bring all of uh, all of. Humanity cannot together. There are very few things in the world that brings the whole world together. And, you know, if you think about um, going to moon or going back to moon or going to Mars, it's something that can bring people together. So it gives us, I think, that escape that people need uh, to think about something larger that doesn't concern us. It's kind of like a superhero movie. Like, yeah. why, do you watch super, why do we watch superhero movies? To kind of escape our world and go into this new world and... I think space kind of provides that as a big inspiration, uh, something to look up to. And that's why I like the story of, you know, you look at, um, you know, constellations on the sky and 
it, it is just beautiful to think that what you're seeing is basically how it looks millions of years ago because you know light takes so many years to come to us and it's just these thoughts kind of put us in a different type of thoughts and that's an escape but these are things that people associate with space but what i'm passionate about uh, more is about how it impacts us on earth every day and what people don't seem to realize because until a few years ago i didn't seem to realize uh, the impact of space you know you people just thought about mars and moon and venus and you know that's it but they didn't make the connection between how space is important for you know your weather forecast you didn't uh, you know you don't make a connection uh, for your um, everyday google map navigation you don't make the connection uh, of how um, you know of how society functions you can see that from space you know if there's a wildfire and people need to be evacuated you use space for that and if you want to distribute food to people who you know who have been stuck in floods in you know in a country because there was a huge flood you use space and people don't really make the connection between how important it is uh, to see space uh, sorry to see earth from a different perspective and that is what was inspiring for me because it gives you a sense of the world from a from a different perspective and we are always used to seeing things horizontally and you know because we're seeing horizontally there are only some things that we can see maybe a few meters and you know for the rest of the earth you know it's it's kind of like that it's kind of uh, just knowing what you know and you know reading stuff on the internet and but if you see from the above you can see things changing over years you know we know that climate change is happening because we were able to see star earth from the top if everybody was sitting in their office cubicles or you know working in the fields we would not know that climate change is happening only because you're seeing from a different perspective that you can realize insights like this because if it not for space you would not know that the earth is warming because i don't know if how many people know that but the concept of global warming was understood because we went to venus in venus we can't live because global warming kind of changed venus and made it unlivable and that's our worst case scenario and we started to understand okay so uh planet do warm up if you you know have a lot of carbon dioxide and that's what happened in venus and that was the inspiration for earth to understand what global warming was and how global warming can occur and now because we know this from venus now we can have satellites that can look at earth uh and you know monitor global warming and how it's happening and what we can do to stop it all these things you know so yeah. these are the things that people don't usually connect when you talk about space because they think about rockets they think about mars probably you know some beautiful pictures that they have uh, seen from space or for uh, you know wallpapers usually they are famous and that's it their connection to space stops there and people think you know it's again a waste of billions of uh, euros or dollars because you have problems to uh, uh, you know solve on earth but you know people don't make the connection that it's directly related to that like the poor people we are talking about the poor people if they have to grow crops and have food in their in their region you use space for that because with space you can identify where the soil is good where they can make agriculture and where they can grow food to help the same poor people that we're talking yeah. about so people don't make the connections and i thought that you know it's important that people should make the connection because once again it's not it's not a small app and these cost millions of billions of euros meaning 
people need to know. And only if people know that the interest and the investment in space will increase because it's very um, government-driven. And, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse, if, uh, if Trump decides we go to the moon, we go to the moon. If uh, the European Commission decides we invest in a project for monitoring global warming, we monitor global warming. If not, we don't. But thankfully, now we have Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos coming in, but it's still very government-driven. And if you don't have a government that understands space and invests in space, you're going to lose out a lot. And uh, only a few people, unfortunately, know the impact of space for Earth. And I want to be you know, joining those bunch of people who spreads the message. So uh, you mentioned Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Uh, I want to know more who inspired you to be that fond of space and uh, but also not only space who who were the people that gave you that passion you have and that uh, inspiration you, you you spread every time like who who were the most influential people to you um well elon musk uh, cliche cliche is elon musk for uh, number one because i was fascinated by his uh, you know there are things of course he's a human being he's not perfect so people tend to focus on the wrong things but he's done a lot of right things so of course, he was one of the biggest inspirations um, growing up, especially in the last 10 years. Uh, uh, there has also been a couple of people outside um, as well. Um, you know, I can I can talk about Carrie again because uh, it was, I met Carrie six years ago and he was just this visiting lecturer who was talking about blockchain and I was like, wow, okay, so some, and after that, we went for a drink and we found out that, uh, or at least I found out that uh, you can have a passion and you can work towards it. And I'm sure you know his blockchain story of, you know, how he kind of taught himself and then became an expert. I was like, okay, so you don't really need a master's from Oxford or Stanford for it. So you can just, you know, yeah. become a, become who you want to be just by your own effort, you know, things like that. I, I learned from him because, I mean, I'm still learning from him. Uh, but the fact that you can just be yourself and not have any external forces, I'm sure he had mentors, but still you put in the effort, you can get something out of it. That was something that I learned from him. And I think I'm kind of benefiting from it right now because uh, coincidentally, he introduced me to the space in university where I went ahead and studied. And now I'm in the space industry. So, you know, he was kind of one of the people who uh, pushed me to go and uh, do that because he saw I was passionate about space. And and yeah, so, you know, in, also in terms of him, in terms of uh, not expecting anything in return, I think maybe I've bought him a few beers. Yeah, That's except it. Who's Carrie. And by the way, for those who don't know Carrie, <laughs> he's a common friend of ours and uh, he you will listen to him in our show. So Carrie was interviewed lately and... Uh, uh, I invite you to, to listen to, to Carrie so you would understand the character. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if you spoke about Boost, but yeah. But of the course. point is, yeah, <laughs> not expecting anything in return. And, you know, that's something uh, that's very inspiring because I don't think he got anything out of it, really. I studied space and now I had a job. I'm going to leave my job. I have my startup. I don't think maybe he's going to have some stake if he decides to put some uh, money in it. But uh He's not, he doesn't have any motivation for it, but he just does it. And I think it's the same as you as well, you know, not expecting things in return. And that's, that's beautiful. So there are things that I learn from people every day. And I try to, because it's, it's important to appreciate people. But you mentioned in your, once you mentioned that you, 
what inspired you the most is the small uh, act of kindness and basically that's that's the relationship I have with many people and especially Carrie and with you now is uh, I realized that with the small act of kindness uh, for example Carrie introduced me to you I helped you out to the conference a uh, few weeks later Carrie introduced me to Elise she gets me a job yeah uh, so like a, a consultancy job and like basically it's it, it really what goes around comes around and that's that's basically what we're trying to do with all the community yeah, that we create those small act of kindness that will mm-hmm. help people yeah. get what they want by the end, but yeah. without expecting. It. Exactly. But people always have it as a cliche that, you know, oh, kindness and, uh, and you know, I come from India. So the word karma is thrown around a lot, but uh, you need to experience it to, you know, to believe it. You know, I have heard people talk about, oh, is karma, do you believe in karma and things like that? But you just experience it. It's yeah. not a... It's not a it's not a belief or a fact. It's just something of an experience. You you see that things will come back to you, and uh, and yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. We spoke enough, I think, about the business side and the space part. Uh, what I also want to know is, I know you have that uh, passion towards business and space and future and so on, but also you have a, a quite spiritual part of you that uh, you try to practice and and uh, mm-hmm. and even inspiration from the spiritual world uh, even some mix like steve jobs who mm-hmm. basically practice both practice it both uh so how, what's your relationship to spirituality uh how does it help you do you have any rituals could you share with uh, with us sure yeah well it's it's an interesting question because until a few years ago i i would not call myself spiritual because believe it or not at least, i think i until the age of 21 22 i was very very religious one of those religious uh, orthodox religious, you know, dudes you would meet uh, in India, and I come from a religious family, so it was not, you know, surprised that I was religious. But after that, you know, you move. I moved to Europe, and then you know, I started to open up a little. And um, the the words with, because before until the age of twenty two, twenty three, religion and spirituality meant the same thing for me. And then in the last five years, I've you know, kind of segregated it and you know i've gotten myself spiritual now and not religious anymore and i think part of it is one due to the exposure of you know me being in a different world and seeing how people are and second is also the kind of uh, people i started listening to and reading about um and i think there are like uh, there's sam harris i think the is a writer and also a podcaster and um I read his books and I think I connected with it a lot because he still took away a lot of inspiration from religion and uh, it, it it helped me because I was very religious and it's very hard for people to just cut off, you know, we are not robots. And uh, I think his writing, uh, even though, you know, he talks about atheism a lot and, you know, aspects uh, that doesn't have to do with God, you can still pick up a lot of things from religion that can help you in your spiritual life. And I think that helped me a lot and uh, that's leads me to meditation because when you're growing up in India as a, as a religious person, you meditate a lot. But then I did not meditate in a way Sam Harris tells it. You know, it's it's good for your neurons. And now I think five years back when I read it, it was still becoming a fad. And now it's yeah. almost a fad and, and everybody and it, does I it. I believe religion itself is a meditation. Yeah. But then it's like the what I at least I, I like about people who are being spiritual is like they take what they need mm-hmm. and they... They leave what they don't need. Yeah, absolutely. It's like basically trying trying to find your balance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's why I think the meditation part 
that's why I still keep telling my family, you know, they, they're not happy that I'm not religious, but I'm like, I still meditate. You know, you consider religion, meditation as part of the religion, right? But uh, yeah, so I, I picked up meditation, which became a very important ritual for me um, to calm myself down, to... Uh, to focus on my thoughts and to also be aware of the present moment, which I alluded to, I think, in the beginning of the talk, which I thought I think is very, very important. And increasingly, I'm finding it more important to be aware. And um, and again, uh, going back to uh, things that I've been, you know, inspired by for spirituality. Another thing that I would like to point out is stoicism. And I'd like to I want to practice it as much as possible. I don't think I'm doing a great job at it because, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how many people are aware of stoicism as a philosophy or a way of life because people think stoic is equal to a robot. Mm -hmm. It's not that. Not necessarily. Uh, yeah, exactly. So stoicism is mostly understanding what you can control and worrying about things you can control and, uh, you know, disassociating things you can worry about and you don't have to worry about. And if you do it, it's... It makes life so much simpler. And uh, one of the writers from Stoicism, Seneca, I don't know how much you want me to go into it, but I can geek out on Stoicism. Right. <laughs> uh, he, 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 he has a line in his book, uh, Seneca the Younger, and he has a book, uh, he has a line in his book, um, people suffer a lot in imagination than in reality. And I think it's very true. And I think I have overthought a lot of things. I have... Uh, you know, being stressed because of things in my imagination instead of trying to actually see what are the things that I need to do to fix it, what are the things that can be done to not let it happen, and if it does happen out of things that are out of my control, not worry about it because a lot of things that I've realized in my life that I worried and stressed about a lot are things that I could not do anything about, you know, uh, or you know, I could do things to avoid it, like. Uh, you know, you want to move to a city and you're, you're scared that it's going to rain a lot. You don't have to worry about it. Or uh, you have a relationship and you worry that the girl is going to leave you. Well, the thing that you can control is how you are. And if you're, uh, you know, faithful and you are a good person. And if, you, if she still leaves you, that's not something for you to worry about. Yeah. Or if, you get, if I get fired. Uh, I used to worry about, oh, what if I don't do my job right? And in my last job. I think people felt I was a bit nonchalant in my job because I was kind of stoic about my job because I knew I was doing a good job. And if they still want to get rid of me or if they still don't want to offer me a, a raise, it's not something that I can control. You know, I can do things that can contribute to it and worry about it. But if, if I don't have to, so, you know, things like this yeah. became my way of life. I agree with you. Uh, I think the first time I... I, I read about stoicism was uh, when Tim Ferriss uh, made that, that beautiful, beautiful talk and he, he put he put it in a way he said uh, he took the Zeneca line we suffer more in imagination than in real life and he even put it put it in a way that uh, it helps people with mental uh, illness and mental yeah, health and absolutely. I myself went through a lot of uh, mental health issues and basically Uh, mostly because I, I I was worried about mm -hmm. what's gonna happen, what if and what, and there are a few things that you can pick up and like you practice that framework of stoicism. Like, yeah. what can I do if that thing happened? Uh, what can I do to avoid that this, yeah. this thing happen? And it's it's a fun exercise and definitely it helps you to take care of yourself mentally. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew there was something else we had in common. Yeah, the stoicism part. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. And listening to Tim Ferriss as well. And listening yeah. to Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. I've learned a lot about, from Tim Ferriss, from his books, from uh, because, you know, he's basically created a framework for people to go and apply and learn. You know, if you want to do good workouts, you know, I've learned from uh, him a little bit there. How to have a productive life. Again, learned a little bit there. So, you know, Tim Ferriss, again, I think you, you listen to him and read. Absolutely. Well, yeah, he's so. one of the people who inspired me even to start that podcast. So exactly. Yeah. We salute Tim Ferriss. <laughs> Uh, so, do you have any uh, book or tool that you recommend that you use yourself uh, that helps you with the, whether it's stoicism or your meditation, your spirituality? Yeah. No, in, in terms of books, um, well, there are a lot of books which kind of had an influence on me, uh, but I think I'm going to pick up two or three. Um, one of them is uh, on stoicism. It's Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And uh, it's not a book about meditation, but it's a book about stoicism. And uh, and the funny fact is, uh, it was not supposed to be a book. It was just a, a diary of a Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, who just wrote his everyday, you know, thoughts into a diary. And today it's a book. And uh, you you will see how the things that he wrote about 2000 years ago are still relevant. You know, things like um, you don't have to worry about Uh, you know, the things that I told about stoicism, about things that you worry about, things that you don't worry about, uh, what you need to work towards. You know, if you get up in the morning and you want to achieve something, something in life and you don't do anything towards it and you just have this thought, you're not going to be a great person. And there are a lot of thoughts that he writes about that are very applicable in today's life. So meditations is one which is could be hard to read for some people because... Sometimes he would just, it's a diary of someone. Sometimes he would write about uh, how he acted in the battlefield that day or how he felt about going to war or how he felt waking up that day and what made him go. But there are things that, you know, if you take away the 2,500 years ago part are still applicable. You know, you wake up, uh, what are the thoughts you have and what inspires you and, you know, aspects like that. So Meditations is definitely a book that was, It, it gave me actionable insights for my everyday life. And um, there's also a book, I don't know how many people know about it, but it became quite popular in the last couple of years. And it was, it's called When Breath Becomes Air. Oh my God. It's a, it's a very, very interesting. It's from the Indian doctor in the US. Yeah, it's, the, it's that book. And uh, it's not more about what I apply in daily life, but it's about how I think, you know, I told you why I decided to move and, you know, Uh, what if I die in a couple of years? All those things are, uh, you know, my learning from that book and how um, how inspired his how inspiring his book is basically because the book is basically about the that one person. He's not famous. He's probably just a neurosurgeon that you would meet in a hospital. But just the way he wrote and his outlook towards life and how people should be and you know how you should follow you know things that make your life meaningful you know those things like that are what affected me in terms of making i think in the last few years any big decisions that i've made i think the book has helped me out because i would have i would have subconsciously went and thought like how he did because for i don't know how many people again know his story again i completely recommend his book yeah definitely. i'm sure actually like four years ago when i read his book i went on a road trip for two months around europe uh, and then right after uh, yeah. i came back i resigned and and they went on my new journey <laughs> which is now starting my company exactly and, yeah uh, they're turning the book into a movie 
Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's so interesting. It's coming, um, coming out soon. That's interesting. So well, again, I mean, to all the listeners, I definitely recommend. He, this book. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm quite an emotional guy, so I think uh, there were a couple of tears at the yeah. end. But there are no spoilers. But you know, you read the book. It's, it's just. Uh, no, I think even if you're not emotional, like the tears will come. But again, like, um, as you might know, highly sensitive. I think you are as well. So yeah, yeah. We we might drop more than other people, but it's. Uh, it helps you connect with your emotions. It helps you connect with who you are. So Absolutely, it's it's a it's a beautiful way to, yeah, to express that feeling. Yeah, absolutely. With tears or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Oh, that's another nice surprise uh, to discover about you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're almost heading to the end. Uh, I want to know uh, how can you how do you want to finish uh, this conversation. Is there something you want our listeners to absolutely know, uh, mm-hmm. like a sort of a last message? Well, in terms of, uh, I think we covered like a lot of topics. Um, the one thing that that comes to my mind is things that we can do in an everyday life. You know, like uh, we talked about being kind, uh, um, just having an open mind. And uh, also in terms of, you know, how to approach big decisions and the frameworks for it. So there are just a lot of frameworks out there. And I have met surprisingly a few people in the last few years who, you know, I used to think I'm the only one who's crazy and lost. But then you realize as you meet more and more people that a lot of people are like that. And they're just not uh, vocal about their confusion or their craziness. And uh, I think the answers are just out there. I think we just need to. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned you want to be a rational, romantic, and realistic dreamer. Yeah. So that's. Oh, that's sort of... that's another thing that uh, I think I've kind of learned or tried to uh, live it because I found that in the first few years of my life I was a big dreamer. You know, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that, and uh, uh, I don't know if it's because of my previous job in consulting. It made me a very big of a realist in terms of how I approach it, meaning I was becoming very rational and losing my uh, dreamer side of it, uh, you know, the emotional side of it. And I think the the balance is in terms of finding the, yeah, it, it's between, you know, you, you should not be a realist because then you wouldn't do anything because you're just going to be skeptical about everything. And uh, yeah, if you're just too much of a dreamer, then you will, yeah, you're just going to be high all the time, I think, because you're just going to be dreaming and, you know, wanting to be doing something but not doing anything about it. So I think the balance is in the, uh, sorry, the beauty is in the balance. And uh, we need to, yeah, try and be, at least I try to be a balance between the, uh, you know, the dreamer and the realist part of it. I think there is a quote from, uh, interestingly, from Modern Family of all TV series, which which talks about this, and it kind of had an impact. I watched it. I don't know how many years ago, but it, that quote had an impact on me. And, you know, you need both. Uh, I don't know how the quote goes, but it's it talks about how uh, the dreamers and realists are both needed in the world because dreamers, you need to, you know, you need to aim for the stars. And then um, realists, uh, you know, sorry, the, the I think the realist, I think you need because if not, people will go and try and touch the sun. And uh, you, you need dreamers because you need someone to go and, you know, aim for the stars. Yeah. So you need both. And I think... That's actually beautifully said. Yeah, I think... Yeah, you, it's not bad. Uh, I think if you need to find... Um, yeah, find a balance. And yeah, I like, try to do it. And 
I think I'm imposing that on my girlfriend as well to try and do both. Uh, so let's see, let's see how many people uh, embrace their both sides because I believe people have both of them. You know, they just try to suppress one. You know, realists just try to suppress their dreamy part of their nature, and uh, the dreamers tend to just not worry about their realist nature. But I think in in reality, for anything to start a project or to just live your life, I think you need to embrace both the both the sides. And I think that's what I've learned. In the- and also you found yourself in an industry where you work on the space, but you still have your feet on earth, so. That's true. I think, so my, I think my job allows me to do that. So <laughs> I'm thankful, thankful for what I work in. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, my last question probably, uh, what's the one tip for making the world a better place. I we, we speak a lot about uh, act of kindness. You I know how you are, the spiritual part, the meditation. Is there one tip for you that you can give to our listeners but also to people in general on how to make this world a better place? Uh, I think the to make it to make the world a better place, uh, I think people just need to do something very, very small. I think the the thing again i think it's probably going to go back to meditation in a way but and also a book that i read it's called awareness um by anthony de Mello, and it talks about how important it is just to be aware and um just you know being aware just means that you can be uh open you at least you know yourself you know your thoughts uh being aware and being in the present moment means that you can listen to people better uh, and also, it means that you can also understand people better. And if we just practice being aware and being in the present moment better, again, I'm sounding like a cliched Indian talking about like a spiritual yogic uh, kind of shit. But I think I really believe that it's it's important because a lot of decisions that we make today from, you know, what we want to drink in the morning to uh, the president of a country declaring war are all about what's going on in the head. And uh, I think we have just not spent too much time um, taking care of our head and how it functions. And uh, to build, make the world a better place, of course, you know, we can go out and do things. You know, we can go and uh, clean the roads or start up a company that's going to save the world from global warming, etc. But then all of that comes back to how we function in our head. And um, I think being aware and being in the present moment allows us to makes us you know do things up to the best potential and um, and yeah there are a lot of again examples of people who have done it uh, who are doing it these days or practicing um, mindfulness and you know just you know a lot of fad words are being thrown around today you know like uh, i don't know uh, uh, you know it's become americanized i think in a way but still simply put just to be aware and yeah, being in the present moment like practicing yeah. yourself yeah just be conscious yeah. because if you're conscious and you want to, I don't know, do something, it's up to you. At least it's your own decision. But then you won't go back and regret it because you've done it with full awareness. And let's say a president has declared a war and he did it with his full awareness and it killed people and he's okay with it. And, you know, he will be okay with it because he's done it with full awareness and with full consciousness. And, you know, but would he do that if you were completely, you know, aware or conscious? Probably not, because yeah. being aware and being conscious means that you will become more compassionate and hence you will make the world a better place indirectly. So 
I think that's kind of what I would say, just being aware and um, yeah, being in the present moment. That's that's kind of how I would put it. Okay, thank you. Well, Arvind, we have a ritual to start our podcast and we have another ritual to finish. Okay. Uh, which is basically, I have a, a game called Connect, okay. which is a set of uh, questions. So if you agree, uh, I would let I would like let you choose one of the cards, yeah, and then I will read the question that's behind it, and you will have to accept to answer it, no matter what's the question. Okay. Do you agree? Yes. I have to choose one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're ten, no, if in ten years you have the chance to meet yourself today, what would you tell? him great that you survived so you know i hope you're grateful and i hope you're living in a probably a better world in some way or the other or a world that is at least trying to be better you know uh, so hopefully on that and then um, i would also say hopefully you were uh, you know a much better person than what i am today because uh, i think uh, i i think i just that's kind of my trend in life. I've become like a better, better person uh, with age. So I hope that that trend continues. So I would want to verify that with my 40 year old self. And um, if I've become a better person and also if I have done, you know, anything to uh, contribute to, you know, to the world, you know, it can be a small project. It can be helping someone out uh, as simple as that or, you know, something, you know, my startup goes up to become something that contributes to you know something of a larger purpose so again i would verify if um, if that has happened but again i think the important thing is uh, what kind of person you were and i would uh, i would just be curious to find out if i was uh, a good person and who took care you know of uh, his family and you know friends and loved ones and uh, and yeah, I think that's kind of what I would talk about. I don't. I mean, maybe I would talk about if I have to be very out of a uh, serious topic. I would ask uh, how uh, where are you living? Because I've I'm known to move places a lot, as you would imagine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be moving to the south of France soon from Paris. Uh, so I'd be curious to know what I where I'm living. Hopefully, I would not be living in the same place. That is not me. If I was, then I would be curious to find out what happened because now neither me nor my girlfriend is like that. So what happened? What changed? And why are you still in uh, Toulouse? And why haven't you moved in 10 years? Which would be interesting to find. Um, it would be interesting to find if, um, I don't know. I think I'm probably going to be with the same girl, I guess. So, well, I that, hope so. I, yeah, I hope so too. And uh, so hopefully that is not a check. That is more of a, hey, nice <laughs> to see you in 10 years. Uh uh to the girlfriend but uh but yeah i think those are the things and uh, maybe i think the other thing that i really care about is football so i would have found out if, if manchester PSG united the first league or not. i don't care about PSG. yeah but that's what we want to know yeah i know if, if they go on the second then if they go on the second football yeah. will go back to yeah home. i mean i would be happy yeah. <laughs> i would have been happy you know in 10 years i would check if psg did go back to the second division and i'd be like yeah you deserve it bitches <laughs> well yeah <laughs> Uh, well, thank you very, very much, Arvind. It was lovely, uh, as always. Uh, thank you for our listeners. Uh, that was Sabri from Now I See Me Show. Uh, and all I have left to say is good luck, Arvind, with your move to Toulouse. Good luck to your girlfriend. Good luck with your company and startup. 
and uh, I will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye bye. This podcast is powered by House of Ichigo, a company that's redefining the art of gathering. Now I See Me is hosted by me, Sabrib and Radia, and produced by Ludovic Schneiderovich and Eleonore Balsam. And of course, their company, Signature Film. <laughs>